This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Time Travelling Team. I'm Paddy. Each week, Paul and Dan do a fantastic job guiding us through the wide world of movies and TV shows. Meanwhile, my co-host Trisha and I are taking a trip through the time vortex and discussing the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey world of Doctor Who. Starting back from the earliest adventure in 1963, we're discussing the stories, the Doctor, the companions and the villains of this iconic show. You can find us at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now sit back, relax and enjoy as Paul and Dan do their thing. Half measure style. Tino Koto Katoa, Kudenyo Wadena Ho. Welcome to episode 39 of the Half Measures podcast. Once again, I'm joined by my friend and co host, Paul Kanawa. How are you, Paul? Good, Dan. I'm good. It's great to be back. <laughs> That's, That's, That's all I've got. That's all I've got. I was thinking. Thanks for. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, everyone. It's been a great podcast. We'll see you later. Can I say, actually, earlier this week, I actually spoke to someone in real life who who listens to this podcast each week, and I had no idea they listened. And so it's moments like that that really bring my energy level up, you know, when it's you know, time to record a, a podcast. Um, so I'm excited to to crack in today, Dan. Always great to um, meet a real-life listener. So, Paul, it's an age-old tradition here on the pod. What have you been watching Absolutely nothing. This week, I've been doing actual real life things. So um, just, you know, life admin, playing a lot of football with my son and stuff. So all the things I'm going to talk about this week are actually the same as uh, as you. So we'll we'll cover those off together when, um, when you talk about what you've been watching. But before that, then, I would like to welcome everyone back to Paul's Book Corner. And I actually had a look back through our podcast, and it was four months ago that I last did a book review. So you can see how long it takes me to read books these days, you know, with all this television we're watching. And it will probably come as no surprise, Dan, that this is another Star Wars novel. I mean, is there any other type of novel I read? It has to be canon. Um, and this is Catalyst, uh, a Rogue One novel. So if if Rogue One was the prequel to A New Hope, then this book is the is the prequel to to Rogue One, and it basically tackles a couple of questions. One is how did the Empire build the Death Star and manage to keep it a secret? You know, there's there's quite a lot of tap you'd have to put over that to keep it hidden, right? And the second question, it's no moon. Is, is, it is no moon. Why would a decent man like Galen Erso ever get involved with the Empire to begin with? And then how did he escape and end up? off you know farming so if if you like rogue one this is this is a great read if you didn't like rogue one you're probably going to want to stay away from it i found it really enjoyable um it's it's a it sort of focuses around how orson krennic manages to manipulate galen Erso in this web of deception and has him work on this this super weapon without even realizing it's a weapon a little bit of a stretch maybe given that you're a scientist you might know what's going on but um what happens over the course of the story goes a long way to explain um, that look that they both had on their faces when they met again on that rainy morning in the in the field at the start of Rogue One, um, and it manages to cover quite a bit of 
time as well. So the first chunk of the book takes place uh, during the Clone Wars. Then it moves forward through some of the key events from Revenge of the Sith. And then, um, you know, only this time you sort of see it from a different perspective from from what the movie's portrayed. And then the latter part of the book comes through with the uh, the rule of the Galactic Empire. And, of course, that's where it really heats up. So, yeah, it's a really enjoyable read. James Lucino, one of my favorite Star Wars authors. Um, you get a, a whole bunch of stuff that you only catch a glimpse of in the movie. They, they dive into. So you remember that scene with, um, it would have been, you know, at the, the Galen Erso residence, wherever that was on Coruscant. And we see him in the background, enjoying a glass of wine with Krennic. Um, you sort of you sort of saw that through the eyes of a young Jinnah, so, so you get to sort of actually see what's happening in there. You get some insight into why Tarkin dislikes Krennic so much and how he sets him up to fail so that he can, you know, succeed him if the Death Star actually works, mm-hmm. which, as you know, anyone on who had family on Alderaan will tell you it was quite successful. Um, so some of the story is a little bit off. It kind of talks a, gets a little bit too sciencey and it starts talking about the operational stresses that credit was under like budget and deadlines and to be honest reading about project management just isn't that interesting even when emperor palpatine is the sponsor so um so yeah a recommended read that's book club for this week maybe i'll be back in another couple of months more uh more what should i say not a star wars book shall i try that i don't know i'm not gonna make any promises do you think in the Star Wars universe they use the Babok? I'm not familiar with that book, Dan, and I don't really want to talk about it on this podcast either. Fair enough, fair enough. I feel like I need to read a book. I think this this Christmas holidays it's time to it's time to go old school. I you talking about a book makes me think, oh, I haven't read a book for a long time. Mm. Maybe it's time. In fact, the last time I had this feeling was probably about two Christmases ago, and I read The Hunt for Red October. It was a great time. Great book, I imagine, based on only the film, obviously. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Oh, that's good, Paul. So you'd how? what would you rate this book? How many guns akimbo would you give it? Uh, look, it, there is a fair bit of science in it, so if it's not your bag, that brings it down. If Rogue One wasn't your bag, that brings it down. But I, I love Rogue One, so I'm going to come in with a, a seven out of seven out of ten guns on the 10 gums, gums, guns, a Kimbo scale. <laughs> I love it. I, I love how um, out of sync our guns, Kimbo ratings are three, four, seven. Who knows? Half a gun? Is it, is it loaded? Who knows? Well, that's great, Paul. You know, it's um, sometimes not every week can be a, a jam-packed um, watching fest. And you sometimes you've got a little bit of reading, you've got a little bit of life admin. So Correct. look, I appreciate that. Damn Whiting, well, what have you been watching? Well, I also haven't watched a lot outside of the the shows that we watch together, but I have managed to squeeze in one new TV show. So that TV show is on Amazon Prime, and it's called Wayne. Now, when I say Wayne, I don't know if it's my Kiwi accent. People often say, are you saying Dwayne? No, I'm saying Wayne, like W-A-Y-N-E, like Bruce Wayne. So this, let me tell you a little bit of uh, context about Wayne. So this is a TV show that was originally made for YouTube Red. So if you remember, so Cobra Kai was originally made for for mm-hmm. YouTube as well. And I don't I don't know how well either of these did on on YouTube, but they've basically both been sold off. Obviously Cobra Kai to Netflix and Wayne to Amazon Prime. So Wayne is a 10-episode show and it is 
freaking fantastic. So the basic premise of the show is um, the, the main character, Wayne, is kind of a he's, – so he sort of plays this, this teenage – Teenage boy, so 16, 17, he's got really no family. He's, I almost would say like he doesn't really feel pain and he's a, he doesn't like to see anyone wrong done by. So if he saw someone being picked on or bullied, um, then he would, he would go and sort of do something about that. So it's so much fun. So it basically so it stars Mark McKenna, mm. Cara Bravo, and they've, they've only done one season. And I think what's really cool about them putting it on Amazon Prime is I think if there's enough people that watch it, we might just get a season two. Now, this is one of those shows that like it's it's kind of a, it's a, it's a bit of a romantic story. It's a bit of a dark story. It's actually super violent, um, but it's all done in quite a, I guess a, a tasteful, fun way. Um, it's a show that I I accidentally found on Amazon Prime. So I think if you didn't know it was there, then you might like it. It would be hard to stumble across. But if you're looking for something new to watch, highly recommend Wayne. Seek it out. Give it a watch. Tweet about it. Get the word out there. It's a good one. I haven't heard anything about this at all, and it's uh, it's unsurprising when it's an Amazon Prime because they sort of sneak under the radar, and I I love it that you've you've found something on Amazon because I I do that all the time. Although admittedly, most of the stuff I find on Amazon seems to be from the sixties or seventies, but um, there's a lot of really good ratings coming through, a lot of good reviews, very little criticism. I don't know any of the cast, which is always quite appealing as well. Something completely new, um, action comedy. It's it's got a mature adult rating, as you say, so it sounds like it could be. What I guess my question to you is, and one thing I, I guess I didn't talk about, and I think maybe we need to do a podcast about it then, is this week we finished Seinfeld, so it's uh, it's all over. I feel like I've I've lost a I've lost a friend. It's the same feeling you get, you know, when you finish the office, and um, so now we're looking for a a bit of a palate cleanser and i thought oh this could be a new palate cleanser but do you think the uh the 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 violence factor would make it less less so well it's it's so so samara also really enjoyed this show when i when i said the violence factor it's more so wayne gets himself into quite a few kind of sticky situations and there's there's quite a few sort of crazy adult characters in there um and often the violence will come in the form of you know, basically sort of fights that people get into. But it's it's all kind of done in a way that's like dark, dark and humorous, but quite a bit of fun. And I think the story is kind of so compelling. Like I really found it such an easy watch. One character that you may know in there is Dean Winters. So oh, yeah. Dean yeah, so Dean Winters is he's been in quite a few shows. He's in uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's been in Rescue Me. Oh, a whole bunch of different things. So he's he's really great in there. It's look, I would I would recommend giving it a go. And if for nothing else, it'll help get those views up and help help get me a season two. That's that's what I'll do it for, Dan. I'm just looking at some of the photos here. Is that a obviously the color's different, but uh, is that a Knight Rider car? It looks like a, a Trans Am. It looks like a just from so, the side. So it is a Trans Am. So yeah, so he, he's basically goes, he goes on a uh, a bit of a road trip across America to try and get this Trans Am back that actually used to own, his dad used to own. Um, and it's just a whole bunch of quirky, interesting characters who you kind of weirdly kind of really just you enjoy kind of being around. And I think it's 
Look, I think that there's something in there. I'd say for you and Diana, it's it's definitely worth a go. And it's a. I guess I I worry that it it doesn't seem to have had a lot of advertising on Amazon Prime. So I'm really hoping that it does it does get picked up. Now, just in case it doesn't, it's actually so well done that even if it only ever just becomes one season, it's it's going to be okay. Like it doesn't leave you with any sort of anything so major that mm. you you don't get the conclusion. So that it's it's a win win. I'm sold. I think. I think I might come into this this week, Dan. I'll, I'll report back this time next week on my fi- my findings. I think you've you've convinced me. You've got me across the line. Awesome. Well, that's what I like to hear. Uh, so I just I, I don't know what my guns akimbo scale is, but I give it all the guns. So however many that is, whether it's four, whether it's four hundred, it doesn't matter. You know how I've been banging on so much about Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. I put this well up there with Cobra Kai. So this is this is where it is on my on my great finds um, of of 2020 even though the show came out in 2019 now so just jumping back to what you said earlier paul um about seinfeld that's that's a bit of a milestone moment that's uh nine seasons that like i'm getting up there as well like i am i think i'm up to about season eight in seinfeld oh yeah you're not far behind at all it's uh it's it's i, I feel like it did finish at just about the right time it's not to say that in any way shape or form i was tired of it but I just feel like go out on a high. Don't don't hang in there, you know. Don't just keep going on for the sake of it. And I feel like that's exactly what they did. And the way they wrapped it up, the last not the not the finale. That's that's great. But the just before the finale, they do like a two part, and it's clipped together. Uh, oh, just sometimes I see those episodes on some shows, and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to watch the best of. I've seen this, so I don't need to see it. Really, it's just like it's like you're, you're hanging out with old mates and just just talking about the best of times really really good in fact if you've never seen seinfeld just jump straight to the last three episodes of season nine and you get the best of it's such a fun show and i think it's it is hard to find uh i think a a palate cleanser of that quality in fact even now you know i'm always banging on about the the office even the other day i I felt like a, a slight sort of like is it time for another episode of The Office? But I'm, I, I can't do it because it'll just draw me back in. And I, I just love that show so much. It's so good. So a bit, bit of a – this is, this is a, a short round for us of what have we been watching. Should we get on to our, our shared topics? Yes. Yeah, so forgive me, Dan, I've forgotten. Where do we go first? The Mandalorian. The, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Okay. You so. may have heard of it, just a, a small indie project. Holy moly. So much to enjoy, Dan. This episode for me is right up there with the the, the season two premiere. Um, what do you think? Yeah, so chapter eleven. Um, what an epic, epic episode! There was so much goodness in this, and you know, like we talked about last week, this episode featured heavily in the in the trailer for season two of the Mandalorian, and. You know, there's so many great moments. I think from the moment the the ship arriving on the the water water world, like you mentioned, Paul, such a so great to see Star Wars in a in mm. a water environment. Not to mention, you know, finally getting a, a Bo Katan, uh, Katie Sackhoff, uh, so good, so good. Her entrance into this absolutely incredible. And you know, you and I are both fans of 
the Clone Wars and uh, Star Wars Rebels. And so we know a lot about Bo-Katan coming into this. And I think that gave us a whole bunch of extra joy. We've got, you know, then we've got um, Titus Wallover as an Imperial captain. We've got Ahsoka Tano references. We've got, you know, great fight scenes with additional Mandalorians. This is epic. It is absolutely epic. And that whole being on the boat scene at the start of the movie and then having that whole bunch of of quarren um who you know animation aside have only ever been background characters in movies so these are the you know the, like the squiddy face people <laughs> i'm not sure how else it is not the mon calamari not those although they were great too i love i loved his, um the, the different accents that those mon calamari had but the the quarren like the pirates they were they were fantastic um i just love the story seeing what you just mentioned there, seeing Titus Welliver as an Imperial officer, absolutely brilliant. And I guess we should have warned people right from the start that this is spoilers, but you should know by now we go straight into the detail. But I'm, I, I do feel oddly relieved that he, you know, he died and, you know, and I love the way he killed himself with his own teeth as well, you know, with the sort of the old electric shock in the mouth because Titus is, is Bosch now he's Bosch and I can't have Bosch walking around in an imperial officer's uniform for you know a whole season of mandalorian so it was great to see him and i could handle it just as a cameo it was it was it was so good so a few of the things you mentioned there so the uh the the, the squid people i even loved how the tentacles on their face even moved when they were mm-hmm. talking there was so much um great uh, puppeteering and stuff going on and, and animated effects i really enjoyed the uh, mon calamari uh, it, you know when when the ship first arrives and Brilliant. he's kind of got his hands on his hips and he's got his old school fisherman's jersey on and it's just, it's just so great. I think what it really just made me appreciate and think about is how many great little mini stories are always happening in the Star Wars universe. Yes, there's the big Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker and um, Ray and all those sort of stories, but there's there's so many like just little sub fascinating, interesting adventures going on around the sides, and that's really exciting. Yeah, those little stories and just the little moments, just as you said, the hand on the hip when the when the ship crash lands and that whole crash landing was pretty cool. What a great way to open the episode. But like just when you think, oh, he's done well there, he's landed it and it just topples into the water. The body language from a guy dressed up as a Mon Calamari and the shake of the head is just, it, it was just genius. There was a there was a whole bunch of things and I've got a, a, a little list of things that I, cause we watched this twice. And, and again, that's always a good sign, right? You know, doing the rewatch. But as you mentioned, the biggest thing was the, the Bo-Katan story and bringing what I appreciate. And I've talked about this with books and comics and games, but bringing an animated character into the live action series. I love it. I don't know why, but it just makes me feel, <laughs> what am I going to say? It makes me feel so much better about myself from watching those, the animated show. It makes me feel like I've put in the hours watching this animated show that, you know, so many people are like, oh, that's not real. And now I'm talking to these people who are watching the show and they're like, oh, that's what's the name from Battlestar. And I'm like, yeah, you don't know the story that comes with it. And it's like you invest the time and then it really, it feels she's already canon, but now live action makes it always better. And having Katie Sackhoff return to, to play the character, and that's the third series, of course, that she's played in, um, is great. And now the hunt is on for the for the Dark Saber. And my my theory uh, is that, well, should I? No, no, I'm going to say, I, I, feel like, I feel like what's going to happen is she is going to catch up with Moff Gideon. Gideon's going to, 
is going to kill her and that's going to hurt all the fans and make us hate him even more. But then Ahsoka is going to come along and, and I don't want to say take revenge because that's not the Jedi way, but somewhere along the line, order will be restored. That's my, that's my feeling at this point. I'm not on board. I'm not on board with that theory. I, I've got a slightly different, well, I don't know if it's a theory, but I, I definitely see a, a big battle going down between uh, Moff Gideon, Ahsoka Tano and, um, Bo-Katan. But just while we're talking about Bo-Katan, I think the other thing we need to address is, so in the trailer and you know, something we talked about before is the hooded figure who was in the trailer. And we saw the hooded figure on the docks in this episode. And so uh, a big internet theory and one that we've talked about here on the pod is that that character was going to be, who was played by Sasha Banks, was actually going to be Sabine Wren from the from Rebels, who's a, another Mandalorian. But that actually turned out to be Koska Reeves, who was obviously one of the Mandalorians that appeared on the ship with Bo-Katan uh, to, save, to save the Mandalorian and the child. And so that sort of like probably like, you know, debunked quite a big sort of shift for people because, you know, as we've talked about, the last time we saw Sabine, Sabine is with Ahsoka Tano. And I'm pretty sure Sabine, oh no, Sabine gave the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, right? And when we're talking Rebels, I'm just dropping spoilers all over the place. Oh. You know what? Get on board. I don't care, you know. <laughs> You need to be a loyal half measures uh, listening, and you 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 know all these stories. You know That's what right. I'm saying. That's right. You know what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> so so much going on, so much going on. So even when um, Bo-Katan said to the Mandalorian, "You need to seek out Ahsoka Tano," mm. I was ready to lose it, Paul. I I was when I heard that, I got nervous because I started thinking, why would they? Why would they do that? Why would why would they mention her name, and 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 sort of preempt a big reveal? And it made me think, oh no, are we not going to get the big reveal? Are we not going to get Ahsoka? Are they going? Is it now going to be the hunt for Ahsoka, and and we'll we'll never find her, or maybe we find her in the final episode or something like that? I don't know. But um, hearing the name just again in in live action was 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 very very exciting. Um, that really whets the appetite for future episodes. And you know, given that we're also surely surely dan expected to see boba fett again you know we're not going to have tam morrison come in just for that three second scene are we i mean there's so much goodness to look forward to i just don't even know where to where to start well so i think a couple of things i think we may not see tim morrison again i think it'd be surprising if we didn't but i think all they've done is they've dropped the thread that he's still alive which has long been fan rumored mm. and mm. run a books for a long time so what this does give them is a chance to tell a you know much like the kenobi series a standalone kind of series about what's happening with him and what what kind of his deal is in terms of ahsoka i think what's interesting is when the Mandalorian does finally track her down, who's going to be with her? And I think when Ahsoka sees the child, she's going to be like, this is like Master Yoda. And she's going to, obviously, there's going to have to be a conversation about, are we going to train the child in the Force? Mm. What's the sort of background story? Is the Mandalorian going to want to actually give up the child? I feel like probably not. So something is going to have to happen, which is going to trigger that relationship. And I think what's tough about it, and this happens all the time in each episode now, is that you can't actually constantly have the Mandalorian and the child together. Mm. He has to always find a babysitter, a, a caregiver, or a babysitter to to look after the child. So, it 
there, there will probably come a point where it's going to have to be a, a decision will be made. Like, will the child get left with Ahsoka at some point? But mm. then I think when you separate the child and the Mandalorian, mm. what are we even talking about here? I feel like there's such a, a power combo that, that they need to be together. They're, they're a package deal, right? It would be really bizarre to think about that. But you are right. It is always kind of like every time he wants to go out, he has to, to find someone. And he always seems to find a way, which is rather convenient, I guess. But uh, uh, I don't know. I I. I hear what you're saying. I, I question some of the the things that you've suggested there, just from the point of view that this is a child that's already 50 years old and clearly looks about two and three, two to three years old from a human perspective. And we've seen Yoda uh, 900 years. So I feel like he's got a lot of years to go before he's going to be uh, in any way, shape or form to be trained. And so well, not maybe not trained, but trained to the point where we would be able to appreciate that training on on screen so i felt like that we might not see that but um talking of the child what did you think about the the uh the alien face hugger that you know grabbed him by the head i mean that that was pretty right on the nose quite literally right oh i, I think it was great i think i i don't know how they get it just so right each each episode where for me they just get the, the cuteness and the adorable just right and then they they really like amp, amp it up a bit so that you you know with the the Mandalorian like stabbing the octopus thing so that it's not eating the child or you know or grabbing the the octopus in the um, the final scene of the episode, but yeah I think it's this is such magical chemistry between basically a tin man and a puppet and mm. I just I you mm. you wouldn't know that these aren't two you know real life beings and I think it speaks to how well the the acting and the uh, emotion and the empathy actually shine through out of the armor and out of the out of the the puppet for lack of a better word yeah oh, really well put um just just amazing television amazing storytelling i did make a note as i said of a couple of things that i just found hilarious um or maybe not hilarious at times just really powerful and just really appreciated on a rewatch so some of the lines that came out um when uh Katie Sackhoff's character Bo-Katan came back and you know sort of basically rescued Mando who was being accosted for killing that that Quarren's brother and then she just comes in she goes he didn't kill your brother I did just just the arrogance of that and the great line and then picking up the the remote on the imperial ship and sort of um you know sort of saying um yeah I copy that and then sort of saying put some tea on we'll be up in a minute I love that there's not enough cups of tea in star wars and just you know put the tea on it's it's almost had a an element the way she's been written an element of guy ritchie type humor in in the, in the way she was talking to people i really appreciate it and then her mate uh i i don't know his name when he sort of was talking about the stormtroopers saying oh yeah they couldn't hit the side of the banther it was it was just some really great dialogue another great uh great character x woves i think was his name i think the other thing we need to talk about with this episode and which is why i i can't see them killing off bo-katana i think too much of a main character with you know such a, a great uh actress behind her that there's, there's so many opportunities but basically that that conversation between bo-katan and the mandalorian around you're you're a child of the watch basically about that whole uh cult Mm. Uh, mentality around you know you guys are all pure about not taking your helmet off but actually we're over here being chill we take our helmets off all the time and I think there's a real opportunity obviously probably in coming seasons if they did keep Bo-Katan around because you know much like in Rebels and Clone Wars we don't need to see Bo-Katan all the time but they are a, a great 
um, group of people to uh, have episodes and different missions with on occasion. And particularly if Bo-Katan Bo does get the Darksaber back, it's going to become a pretty powerful character. So I think there's lots to explore in there. I follow your logic. I like it. And to be honest, I hope you're right. And I hope I'm wrong. I just, uh, I've, uh, I feel like I've been right about a few things that Dave Filoni's done in the past. And I don't know, cause it's interesting. Cause John Favreau, of course, is, is actually the, the main showrunner. And so I don't know quite how much influence Dave Filoni has here, but, uh, Look, I hope I absolutely hope you're right. And yeah, the the difference between those those clans and the way you know they refer to him, oh, he's one of them. You know, he wants to restore the old ways. That's sort of um, it's it's a really interesting dynamic that part of it. Fascinating times. Can't wait for chapter twelve. Indeed, we're getting, we're, getting, we're we're halfway through, Paul. I know that's that's really quite shocking, isn't it? How quickly time has gone. But um, just a quick shout out to that scene on the Imperial ship when we had Titus Welliver talking over the intercom to Giancarlo Esposito and there was the the long live the empire moment and just the thought of um Gus Fring having a conversation with with Bosch it just just it didn't take me out of the moment but I appreciated it on the second rewatch just thinking I just love those guys and it was a great moment and I I love the whole long live the empire and then him taking the ship down that's that's real that's real loyalty it was brilliant for the Empire. All right, so should we move on to some Walking Dead? Indeed, we should. And once again, if you're not a Walking Dead fan, check the show notes on your podcast app and you can instantly fast forward past this and on to our movie of the week review. And I guess to everyone that's still here, what a great week to be a Walking Dead fan. Am I right? Am I right? I feel really good about both these episodes, Dan, and I'll preface this by saying that both the episodes received the highest scores for their season on IMDb, other than that one with Morgan, which was incredible. So yeah, I'm coming in positive, Dan. Sorry, Paul, much like our listeners, I've skipped ahead to the movie of the week, because <laughs> um, I'm just not interested. Oh, right. This, that, I'm not going to let you bring me down. Let's go for it. You're up first. Okay, so fear, what, are we starting with fear? No, we're starting with uh, The Walking Dead World Beyond. Uh, look, no, that's just a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I thought this was uh, a better episode. I really enjoyed um, finding out a bit more about um, Huck and her backstory, particularly her, her military backstory and how she got that scar on her face and just a bit more context. I still don't think we got very far in terms of pushing the story along, but... You know, I feel like I've been beating this dead horse for weeks now. Um, so overall, I enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the Huck backstory, and I enjoyed that we they quickly picked um, her up in there in the jeep. I'm intrigued to see. I, I think the ending was really interesting of the episode, but I won't jump into that straight away. It was good. It, it was fine. I'm just, what are we doing, guys? <laughs> what are we doing michael cudlitz again directed this so abraham from the walking dead um everything you've just said i pretty much agree with from the point of view of the the backstory i found quite interesting sometimes you sort of you can pick up that you're going to get a backstory pretty early on and i'm married to sherlock holmes and she can see it coming a mile off she's like oh here we go again the backstory and she, she could also she'd guessed how she got the scar as well she i you should listen to Diana. She's the one who knows what's going to happen in the next episode before it even happens. But I, I do feel, yeah, I do feel overly positive 
and I don't know. I, I feel appreciative of what we've got, and I I feel like I don't know. Yeah, I said it's been a busy week for me. I feel like some of the real life events are spilling over into my TV watching, maybe because you know sometimes you take something for granted, and then it's gone, and then it's a bit sad to be honest. So I kind of thought about that in terms of the the world beyond, and, and I just thought, you know what. I really enjoy sitting down with my lovely wife and watching a bit of Walking Dead, a bit of World Beyond. And even if it does nothing in two seasons, except tell me a story about a group of kids, so be it. It's okay. I, I'm, I'm having a good enough time and I'll miss it when it's gone. So I, f- I just feel, I mean, I could be changed by next week, but at the moment I just feel like I'm just going to enjoy the story and I'm just going to forget about the fact that it's not moving that fast because that's, that's never going to happen again, is it? Oh, look, don't get me wrong, Paul. I'm definitely going to be, like I say every week, I'm still going to be here next week when it comes on again. I'm going to be sad when it's not on. And, I, you know, maybe I just enjoy moaning and groaning more than I, you know. I, I think you're right. It, and on reflection, this was a better episode. Um, and in, this, in the scheme of things, there's not really too much to complain about. I am really intrigued to see what they do with the, so the ending of the episode where, um it's kind of made to look like Silas has killed uh, our mm. other character, which I can't think of his name right now. Our magician, our trickster, our—I can't know. I know. Anyway, it'll be Drake. intrigued to see. Is it Drake? Is it Drake? I don't know. It might be. I don't know. Either way, I'm un. I'm unsure how they're going to play that out. Is this going to be one of those kind of painful storylines? Percy. Where, is it Percy? Okay, Percy. Where we don't, where did he, didn't he, did he, didn't he? Did he kind of overhear something that he shouldn't have? Was there sort of an ulterior motive? Obviously, like the way it's played out on camera is that, you know, there's quite a bit of jealousy and all sorts of additional context there, but, It'll be interesting to see how the the wider young young group of Walking Dead survivors acts next week. Yeah, no, agreed. And I look I, as positive as I was. I I found the the Silas blatant jealousy scenes a little too contrived, and so I've, I'm hoping that they wrap that up next time. I don't believe that Silas would have done it, but they certainly make it look like he has. It was good to see um, Hope sort of spill the beans about her. Her, her killing um, Elton's mum to to Huck that was that was quite good. The the story with with Huck was was all good. So yeah, I'm a uh, I'm giving this one giving this one the the two guns akimbo on the seventy three guns akimbo scale, which of course is logarithmic. So two is a very high score, Dan. Indeed, indeed. Look, I think all of these characters are, you know, actually, you know, Iris, Hope, Silas, Elton, Felix and Huck, like they're, they're quite an interesting little cohort, aren't they? Mm. And I think, again, I, I think what's weighing on me is this two-season thing. It's re- I wish I didn't know that. Mm. I, it's, and I think if I didn't know that, I'd probably be having a, a far better time. But you know what? Let's keep moving. Yeah, let's get let's – get, someone else says that, I think. Um the the one thing I will mention on my still still keeping that positive vibe going, but um, Julia Ormond's character, so the Elizabeth Kublik character, the you know, the sort of the, the Civic Republic, we haven't seen her now in what what are we up to? I don't think we've seen her in like four episodes or so, and it's kind of like I don't know. I, I just I just need them just to drip feed that to me a little bit. Just let's keep some story going on that because again, as I've said many times, that's where a lot of the action is. I'm really hoping that um, in the, what have we got, three more episodes of this 
uh, to sort of wrap up this first season, that they they really end strong and they leave me wanting wanting more. Is it three? What, this was episode seven. There's going to be ten episodes, oh, so wow. I'm I'm hoping that it ends strong and it, it kind of leaves everyone hungry to sort of find out what happens and hopefully that whole story catches up with itself. Agreed. I hadn't realised how far through we were. My goodness, three more episodes. Okay, okay. Fear the Walking Dead. Fear the Walking Dead. Okay, so this was, uh, I thought this episode was, it was good. Um, it wasn't my favourite episode. Uh, it looks like it's got pretty good re- um, reviews. I thought, you know, I've heard you say the word contrived in the last couple of episodes of this podcast, Paul, and I thought the here's some things that I thought were a bit contrived. I think that lady killing herself at the start of the episode seemed a little bit dramatic for, like, what, what are you, can't, like, why? Come on, let's, like, let's let's turn it down just a little bit. Um, and then I thought also the moment of, this is me really jumping to the end of the episode, of the potential thought of, is it Jane? Is that her name? Uh, June. Who's out, who's out? June, June. Um, June basically um, letting Virginia turn and I thought this would be great this would be a real twist that I wouldn't be expecting and and then they kind of had me like I was like they're gonna they're gonna kill her now it's gonna be a real shock it's gonna really kind of change the context of the storyline it's really gonna move the goalposts and it's like what is everyone gonna be fighting for if, if Virginia is not the sort of the the core bad guy but obviously they, they pulled out of that scene and it kind of frustrated me because you know, always this is always the way with medical people. Damn their their honor and their integrity about always helping people and um even, you know, even those that sometimes don't deserve it. Because I, I you know, I do think Virginia was definitely a bit of a nightmare in this episode. It's interesting that they, they chopped off her hand. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was it was a quite a, a shorter episode than some of our other ones. Mm. Um and I I guess it also at least left me a little bit sour to be honest that June uh, didn't want to go with John mm. because they're a combo. They, they they are the Mandalorian and the child for me. They they're hope, and the fact that that John had to to leave for uh, mental health reasons. Now, obviously, he's probably going to stumble across Morgan or or something. But I didn't I didn't like to see that happen after we've had so many we had that great heartfelt moment where they finally got to reconnect. Um, but yeah, what did you think? They've done it to us again, right? It was just like Dwight and Sherry. We had that that, that great moment. They got back together, and then they snatched it away from us. And it's, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it works though. And I, I feel like I'm all about the story. And if I'm honest, and I, I may jinx us here, but as you know, I've been really impressed, like you, with Fear this season. I keep talking about it being the real deal, and I feel like every week I think, oh, could this be the one that lets us down? Will this signal that we've reached the end of this this sweet curve? And every week they just keep coming back with more great stories, and this was one. I was frustrated, like you, that June didn't actually just go ahead and kill Virginia, but at the same time, I then thought about it on reflection. Part of me doesn't want my characters that I like to go do that, and what I thought about was, remember when Rick started getting a little bit trigger happy and the walking dead and i was kind of like yeah rick that's right take no prisoners good for you put these people out their misery they deserve it but then i also looked at him and i was like oh actually you've changed a little bit i don't know if i trust you or i don't know what your values are anymore and so there's a part of me that's like oh no it's the right thing she did the right thing she's better than me she's better than me but at the same time 
even though we now get all these great Captain Hook j- jokes, <laughs> I, I think it was, um, you know, it was a real shame. They just think she, she's really annoying. And I think that's, that's great casting because I just, <laughs> it's going to sound awful, but I just look at her face when she's talking and she annoys me. <laughs> so that's a great, that's just a great, bad, a bad person. Did you get um, confused by the way, Dan, at the start by, you know, the, the, the woman you said who, yeah, the one the one that just killed herself in a very contrived manner. Mm. When when you first saw her in that opening scene running along, you know, with a denim jack, a denim shirt, long hair and a cap, did did you sort of make the mistake because I know Diana and I did. We we both were like, "Oh, it's the it's the truck lady." <laughs> Can't remember her name, but it's like it wasn't. Did you get fooled by that or was it just us? Yeah, no, I I'm I'm with you. I I thought that as well and I did think it was the truck lady, but no, it was it was weird. It was it was weird, wasn't it? But it was an interesting episode because we actually had lots of characters who we, you know, we were just talking about last week that we haven't seen for a while. Uh, Luciana, mm. uh, the, the the truck driver, her her friend. So another good episode. And what are we up to now? So that's season six, episode six. So we're going to be all out of. Walking Dead's by the time we get to Christmas, pretty much, and all out of Mandalorians. What are, what are we going to be watching this year, Dan? That's the real question. Well, I think there's there's actually a bigger issue here, Paul, is that we've only actually got one more episode of Fear the Walking Dead before the season break. Now, so I, I can see your puzzled face already going into emergency mode. So basically, you know, so with Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, they always split the season, and they normally split it at eight episodes. Now, with Fear the Walking Dead, they only managed to film seven episodes before COVID and all of those other things. So instead of getting an eight-episode um, half season, we're only getting a seven-episode half season. So we've only actually got one more episode. You've broken me, Dan. That's it. It's, it's been quite a week. That's the final straw, right? Okay, I can't take any more. You know what? There's always something to moan about with Walking Dead. Always something. Now there's not enough. I hate it, but there's not enough. <laughs> all right okay well I'll, I'll have to deal with that and, and process that over the weekend i think uh shall we go into the now world famous half measures podcast movie of the week review let's do it so for those uh new listeners um who are just joining us for the first time every week uh paul and i choose uh We'll take turns choosing the movie of the week. If you want to watch along, uh, we normally post that movie in our Discord channel, which you'll be able to see on a, a Friday or Saturday, so that by the time you're listening to the podcast, um, we are not spoiling it for you. This week, Paul, what what have we been watching? Well, this week, uh, I gave you two choices to uh, to pick from. In fact, I tell a lie. It was Diana. She she chose them both, and the the one that you picked out of the two was. Hotel Mumbai, the 2018 uh, movie from Anthony Maris. Yeah, so interesting movie. So Hotel Mumbai is basically a, a true story of uh, of the Taj Hotel terrorist attack in Mumbai where hotel staff risk their lives uh, to keep everyone as safe as possible and make unthinkable sacrifices to protect themselves and their families. This This movie, Dan, was for all the wrong reasons, truly superb. I was not prepared for the level of stress and anxiety that I felt watching this. And I use those words very specifically because I often talk to you and on this podcast about how I love tension in movies. And this was different. This was actual stress and anxiety. 
and with a with a true story that is as shocking and as sad and, and as horrific as this I, I feel that i want to feel that way and i'm going to say something which is probably a little bit embarrassing and maybe not even you know appropriate but it's true sometimes with a movie that is as powerful as this i actually feel like i remember this more i I thought i felt like i remember this more than the actual event itself and so like in 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 a few years time or something if someone's talking about the mumbai attack i feel in my mind i will be thinking of those those poor characters from this movie who who didn't make it and i'll be visualizing them possibly more than my own memory of of 2008 do you know what i mean i i know exactly what you're saying this was a a really powerful movie and you know both of us have seen hundreds of movies about uh, disasters and events and terrorist attacks and there's often a certain generalization that happens within that doesn't that you're kind of just going with it and you kind of know the outcome and it doesn't really spark anything too emotional I think this movie is so powerful and tells the story so well and it's full of um, emotion, it's got great character development, it's terrifying, it's sad, you're constantly on the edge of your seat. It's a this is a, a really good movie. But I've got to I've got to be honest, Paul, I don't know if I was emotionally ready to watch this one. I you know, we, we watched it on a, a Sunday afternoon after after a weekend away mm. and it was intense. It, it, I don't think there's ever a good time to watch a movie like this. It's um, it is really intense. It is really powerful. It is really hard hitting. And I think, you know, we were we were talking about this, and you were sort of saying about you know when the the guys are just walking through the hotel, so matter of fact, so nonchalantly, so expressionless, with just the gun in the hand, and they see something move, they just turn and then just they just shoot it, and and they're so so nonchalant so impassive about that and yet when they they were trying to get something out of they were trying to find a, an id on on one of the the, the women that, that had been shot down they were really nervous about uh, you know the guy said oh check check her bra for her id and he was like oh no i, I can't do that uh, you know it's this this did you not just see what you're doing before and now suddenly you've got issues with this it was just um it was just really disturbing across so many so many uh, scenes and and Nazanin um, Boniadi who played the mother who was separated from her young baby for just about the entire movie I thought she was she was great and then that that scene where the attacker who just killed her husband and then has the gun on her was possibly the most stressful of all like she was she was she was really good she we've seen her in Homeland before and she's she's in the new upcoming Lord of the Rings series that's being filmed here and I, I think she's really really good in that scene Wow, it's, it's it's the worst nightmare. Uh, definitely, definitely. There, there's so many um, horrible moments, which I, you know, I know you've done a bit of travel. Well, I've done a bit of travel where actually any time you could be exposed to such a, a horrible thing like this. I also want to give a really big shout out to Dev Patel, mm. um, who plays the. Uh, the the waiter in this movie. So you might know Dev Patel from Slumdog Millionaire. Um, I actually from Chappie. I actually first came across him in the the UK TV series Skins, mm. where he played this character Anwar. And I, Skins is a I used to love that TV show. It was, it was so good. I've got I've got fond memories of it. But I think he did such a a fantastic job in I think you know 
demonstrating his bravery, caring for these characters. I think the the struggle of um, living in India and, and bringing up a family and just I think how hard that would be and just, mm. you know, at the end of the day, just when his character's been through this harrowing event and he's just riding his scooter home, you know. If you're exactly right. And, and great shout for him because he, you know, as that, that, that restaurant waiter, he's just fantastic. He conveys so much emotion with just a single look. And I've actually, I actually think I remember him mostly from the, the best exotic Madagal hotel movie. Um, but he's, he's just terrific. You empathize him in every way and such bravery. And, and honestly, Dan, appreciating that so many lives were lost this this is a real life tragedy but if he had not made it out alive as a movie this would just be unbearably sad so the whole time that the camera's on him i just i just needed him to get out and back to to his family and just thank goodness he did mm-hmm. no this was a, a a great choice yet uh intense choice um if you want to watch it in New Zealand, you can find it on on Neon. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's a. I think it's a good one to watch. I think it's 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 actually for me, and I guess naively, I don't really have any strong memories of this terror attack. You know, when you think about big events that happen around the world, uh, you know, like nine eleven, Princess Diana dying, you know, like those are real like milestone things. Mm. I feel like this should be right up there for me, but for some reason, like, I guess I. I I know about it, but I don't know about it, if you know what I mean. So I, I also found this um, sadly educational. Yeah, and I guess that sort of goes back to what I was saying about how I feel now that this will solidify my memory because I feel now I've lived it. And I guess it's the watching of the movie that makes it so you know, horribly memorable. Um, just one last shout-out as well I wanted to mention was um, was Jason Isaacs. He's just another one of those actors. He was great in this movie. He immediately encapsulates whatever character is he's playing. And it doesn't matter whether he's Lucius Malfoy or he's the Inquisitor in, in Star Wars or he's the captain in Star Trek Discovery. It doesn't matter. For, for these two hours, he owned that role of that Russian guy who, interestingly enough, in the sort of those scenes before the attack, I actually thought, I don't like this guy. He's going to be a really dislikable person, but in the end, he actually, you know, was 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 really really brave and and selfless and, uh, yeah, just a, a real good performance from him too. Very powerful. He's got a, a great quote in uh, in the movie as well, and I can't quite remember the exact swear that he used, where he basically tells that lady to to get lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so good, so good. Such a a great use of uh, you know, without often talk about it. If you had, if you could put the F word in one place in, you know, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, like, you know, such a, a great way to, um, you know, stand up for someone and do something, do something powerful. It was, it was a great scene. If you're going to put that word into Star Wars, I insist that it's Samuel L. Jackson saying it in Attack of the Clones when he walks up to Jango Fett and says, this party's over. I think that's the perfect time to put it in. <laughs> you're not going to go for like when Jar Jar Binks like <laughs> between the pod right there and he's like <laughs> he's it with a slur. Okay. yeah so so yeah um, Hotel Mumbai our movie of the week definitely gets uh, I don't want to say all the guns for this movie because I think there's too many guns for it but it gets a it definitely gets a, a thumbs up I think from us so yeah. if you want to find out what our, our next week's movie of the week is 
make sure you drop in and join our Discord channel. Absolutely. So uh, there we so, go. We're racing through, Paul. We're racing through. So that must take us over to a little bit of news. What's on the uh, the news desk this week, Dan Whiting? <laughs> okay, so what do we got on the news desk? So I have got a couple of little things. So a movie that you're quite a fan of, Paul, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You may recall it, just a little mm-hmm. indie project from our friend Quentin Tarantino. He is turning that into a novel, so you'll be able to read even more about uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So expect that in a bookstore sometime next year, I imagine. Across two books, I, will- I understand. Across two books? Mm, wow. So, yeah. Well, this is half me just news. I've only got half the story. <laughs> Uh, there is what else have I got? Um, Rick and Morty. So apparently, they're already season seven is already in development. So, reading a little bit more into this article, so basically, it's been renewed for for several seasons, um, which means we've got at least sixty more Rick and Morty episodes to go, which I think is pretty awesome. I think uh, obviously with uh, COVID and everything happening around the world, animated um, shows are probably much easier. For everyone to produce a lot more work can be done remotely so i think this this is really exciting news for rick and morty i think they've got some really great storylines mm-hmm. that they're working on it's obviously a a great fun show and good that we're not kind of living season by season and so hopefully what that will mean for us is um season five will come out a little bit sooner than the the two-year wait we had oh, yeah. um between other seasons that was a long wait right this is this is a show you need in your life every year i prefer if it came out at christmas it feels got a real christmas vibe about it that show oh yeah definitely this is actually another show where you know they could drop it um weekly actually they, they quite often do on netflix don't they with um in new zealand they do drop it weekly because it's a show where you don't want to watch too much at once you want to watch an episode and really kind of savor it and enjoy it before you you move on to the next one I've also got a little bit of news about Space Force. So Space Force is the Steve Carell show. We reviewed it um, several episodes ago on the Half Measures podcast. So they have lined up for season two. It's not going to start filming until next year. They've also got a a new showrunner. They're going to have what they've got in air quotes here, uh, a creative revamp. So I think, which I think is probably good for that show. I think they've got a a star stellar cast. I think they've got a a pretty cool and fascinating topic. I think maybe sort of fine tuning and locking in what kind of style of of humor and storytelling they want to go to probably isn't a bad thing. So I'm I'm intrigued for season two. I I wish that show the best, and we'll definitely be talking about it here on the pod. Hundred percent. One final bit of news. I don't know if you're a fan of this show, Paul. I forget. We've definitely talked about it before. Big Mouth Season 4 oh. is coming on December the 4th. The most the most inappropriate, without being explicit, just, just like the most inappropriate animated show I've ever watched. I, I don't know when I can watch it because I can't watch it on a train if I'm traveling into the city because someone's sitting next to you. What a great show. What a hilarious show just the most like i just squirm thinking about watching that show it's it's just it's incredible 
So yeah, so this is uh, coming out on December 4th, so this could be one of those great Christmas watches um, once the, the kids go to bed, of course, and you don't have any mother-in-laws, father-in-laws, anyone uh, walking in to ask what the hell are you watching and asking any questions because it would be it would be far too awkward, but I'm looking forward to season four. It should be a fun time. There's also a trailer out, but I think you, you know how we feel about trailers. Best to avoid them if you can, particularly if you're already interested in the in the genre. You don't want to have all those all those jokes ruined. That's me, Paul. That's my news desk today. Yeah, I got a couple of things, and on the subject of trailers, one that I have avoided so far, but I did. I actually dropped this in the uh, the Discord channel for our community uh, this week. Uh, is the Justice League trailer? So the director's cut, the the much talked about Zack Snyder version uh, that has has come out i'm trying to avoid everything about that because i'm really keen to to see what this looks like and uh, as someone who's already a fan of the original i'm i'm really curious to see what they might do to to improve it um judd apatow uh the guy we were talking about last week who uh, did the, your the movie you watched the king of Staten island he's he's developing a pandemic comedy for netflix uh and uh, he's gonna he'll direct it he'll produce it and uh, co-write it and it will follow a group of actors and actresses struck inside stuck inside a, a pandemic bubble at a hotel attempting to complete a film and i'm equal parts interested in this because i think it could be quite funny but at the same time am i too serious here dan to say this it's like this this is still quite a very real thing and a lot of people are dying from it as we speak it's like People, people say, oh, is it too soon? I don't know. What do you think? Well, have we talked I, – I don't know whether we've talked about this on the pod or we talked about it in real life. Oh. Uh, the movie uh, Songbird uh, that's coming out by Michael Bay, and it's basically also about the pandemic. Oh, yes, that was on – yes, we did. Was that on the pod mm, or real life? Mm, mm. Pod? Pod? Yeah, pod. Um, look, uh, too soon. I, I may be a little bit um, more – open to a, a slightly more light-hearted comedy fun movie that's not um explosions and big bangs and terrifying and it, it could be okay but it's still pretty high risk i think in the sense for me is you know i remember at the start of covid you know people were talking about well in a month when we get back to you know when, when this gets all sorted and six weeks when this gets back to, you know staring down the barrel of 2021 i don't know whether anything's going to be that different globally i think we're still in for quite a few challenges and so i think good luck on your project i am unsure how it's going to land with, mm. with the public mm, definitely uh what else have i got here dan uh couple more things. So Sylvester Stallone has joined uh, the cast of the Suicide the Suicide Squad. So we talked about, you know, looking forward to that movie based off of the success of the the more recent Birds of Prey movie. So that'll be uh, quite interesting to see Stallone in that franchise. And then uh, the last thing I was going to mention, The Godfather Part 3. So the Godfather Part 1, The Godfather Part 2, legendary films that everyone talks about all the time, constantly in the top 10 of all these movies. And then they've got, you know, The Younger Brother, who came out a lot a lot later. No one really liked it that much, but they all want to watch it because we all love Michael Corleone and the whole story. Well, Francis Ford Coppola has spent months working on uh, a new cut of that movie. 
and he has promised that this re-edit will give the picture a completely new life. And so I'm excited about that. I'm annoyed about it because, of course, I've got the Blu-ray box set. Of course I do. Um, but, yeah, if they can make it better, I'm all about it. I've always been a big fan of that. People hate it often when people do that, like George Lucas with the Star Wars movies. But if they want to release another version, I'm all about it. I'm quite happy to go watch it. And if you don't like it, stick to the old one. So, yeah, very good. Good. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the difference. It's been a long time since I've watched the the Godfather trilogy. All I remember about the third one was Pacino with the the classic line, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. And that, that's all I remember about the third one with Andy Garcia, of course. But but yeah, so um, I'll switch us over, Dan, to the, the mailbag. Now, apologies from the social media, media manager. He was away a lot this week. So I haven't received a full report back this week, but a couple of the highlights I do have. Um, we have uh, Roger Floyd, who is the, the young actor who played the young Danny Torrance from Dr. Sleep and the young Elton from the Walking Dead World Beyond. He posted a thank you on our Instagram page because we, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. And so I think I mentioned last week, was it, that we had both his parents involved? Well, he's on he's on the Instagram himself, so that was nice. Um, we also had a lot of love for our Mandalorian review and in particular for Paul Sun Hyung Lee, who played the the New Republic X-Wing pilots, and we had a whole bunch of comments on our Facebook page about that. Our peak performance for Tim Burton, we had a, a shout out for the Corpse Bride. Is that, is that the, that's what he's written from Ryan? I can't remember. Oh, that's right, the animated one, of course. Yes, of course, that was good. Yeah. Um, plus, on our Facebook page, we also had uh, Ted Rogers give us a, a three, two, one uh, for Tim Burton of Sleepy Hollow. Mars Attacks, with a shout-out for Tom Jones, and Batman, a movie which cannot be ignored. And Paddy dropped us a line. That was that was uh, his words, not mine. I'm not you know, adding in my little bit. Uh, Paddy dropped us a line, too, to say that he finally got around uh, and watched Doctor Sleep, uh, following on from our podcast conversation. He's a massive Stephen King fan. He was impressed, and he reckons that the... Uh, the director, Mike Flanagan, is he's right up there with, with Frank Darabont in terms of adapting Stephen King books to the big screen. So that's pretty high praise. And that is the mailbag. If you want to feature next week, get in touch with us at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at halfmeasurespod or by clicking the link in the episode description to join our Discord community. Kia ora for that, Paul. All right, so... It must be time for our peak performances. So much like Movie of the Week, every week Paul and I take turns about choosing different actors, directors, producers, whoever it may be, and we choose what we think are their favourite movies. Now, I really like this uh, 3 two, one Paul, and I think that's how we should we – should, every, every time we choose a, a person who we're going to talk about, I think the 3 two, one is the way to go. It's got a nice ring to it. It's nice and simple. It kind of really keeps you focused on choosing three options. I like it. I feel I feel like uh, you know we've stolen that from from Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast. I think I think he'll appreciate that. He's all about the three, two, one. So okay, it's official. It's now it's canon. It's canon. It's half measures canon. Thank you, Paddy. That's canon. Thanks, Paddy. All right. So this week, um, so we're actually doing a, a producer this week. So a little bit different for us. So as I mentioned before, we're normally doing actors or actresses or directors. Um, and so this week, uh, we've gone with Jerry Bruckheimer. So Paul, I'm going to let you do your your three, two, one first. What do you got? 
I'm going to say something which is a little bit embarrassing because I claim to be, you know, oh, yeah, I'm all about TV and movies. But when you said Jerry Brookheimer to me, I was like, oh, what's he done? And I've, I've suddenly struck me, I don't know my producers. I know my directors. I know my actors. And I know my film scores. I know music. I just don't seem to know my, my producers. And I looked through this guy's movies and Dan what a great call this guy has been across so many awesome movies there and, and so many classic action films and i i know we always say oh, we, we can't just list all of the films but i have to read out this little sequence imagine being this guy for this period over what appears to be a period of like 12 years beverly hills cop top gun beverly hills cop 2 days of thunder bad boys crimson tide dangerous minds the rock con air armageddon enemy of the state what a ride i mean just from one to the other that's just absolutely extraordinary and i did look through there are some some later movies in there as well which i've i've really enjoyed of his but i actually never made it past that run of films for my three two one um so my 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 number three would be uh, enemy of the state and i've talked about that movie a few times on this podcast and i haven't revisited it in a while i guess i'm worried will it have aged from a technology point of view but i just remember 1998 always being blown away by this this whole how much you know and this is 98 how much you were just under the radar and you would be seen everywhere and gene hackman played that character where he was trying to stay off the grid completely um but he, he just he just couldn't and a really exciting action adventure movie my my runner-up also a gene hackman movie i feel like we may have to bring the peak performance back to, to actors because I, I feel like I want to talk about Gene Hackman now. But Crimson Tide is an amazing movie. I don't know how – that's 95. I don't know how that movie is 25 years old. Dan, Denzel Washington versus Gene Hackman basically on a submarine. Absolutely brilliant. And it, I always remember this movie because there's a brilliant Star Trek motivational scene um, where Denzel Washington is trying to get his his engineer to, to give him some confidence. And he's like, hey – do you watch Star Trek? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I watch Star Trek. He goes, yeah, I'm Captain Kirk, you're Scotty. And he starts talking to him like he's Kirk and the other. And obviously the guy fixes the engine. It's it's incredible. My number one, I cannot and I will not go past Beverly Hills Cop, the first one, the original, the 1984 classic. And I guess for me, next to Batman, Star Wars and Star Trek, this is easily my most watched movie as a kid. And looking back, I probably shouldn't have actually watched it as a kid, but, but you know, here we are. I feel like this could be my answer to your stepbrothers, Dan. You know, I've always been a little bit jealous. I thought, oh, do I have a comedy like that? I think I do. It's a comedy that you've seen so many times, too many times. You always laugh. It's never not funny. You can watch it anytime. And I, yeah, I see Jerry Brookheimer actually has signed on to do Beverly Hills Cop 4 with Eddie Murphy. And I, I am all in. I just don't care. I love this movie. It's it's incredible. And I am ashamed to have not realized quite how many movies Jerry Brookheimer, because I always think about his logo at the start, you know, Jerry Brookheimer production. But I just, I just had no idea how much he'd done. Brilliant. What have you got, Dan? Behind every great project, Paul, there's a project manager or in the movie world, a producer. Correct. Uh, I, I think, you know, what I, um, you've, you've read out so many great movies. It's definitely – it's been a long time since I've watched Beverly Hills Cop and it made me sort of think maybe we need one of those 
old school movies to be a movie of the week. You know, maybe, you know, maybe we need to do a classic. So I'm all about it. I believe they're on Amazon Prime. We might have to investigate that for uh, this week's choices. So, look, um, I'm just going to go straight into my three, two, one. You, you've you've covered the goods. So, my three is the 2001 movie Pearl Harbor. Now, I know this movie gets a lot of grief. Haters come at me. I freaking <laughs> love that movie. I love anything about um, just I, I, anything about like dog fighting and just the the aeroplane nature of it and I know that movie's like way too long and it's got way too many dumb scenes but I it's great I think it's fantastic you know I think we've got some classic Ben Affleck Matt Damon in there there's so many great scenes um up in there and I, there's another movie actually uh out at the I think it's coming soon on Neon Midway which has got terrible reviews but I again I can't wait to watch it because I just love the whole um you know as I say the dog fighting and the and some of those scenes it's going to be great my number two is the 1995 movie Bad Boys. Bad Boys is, you know, I, I've talked a lot about Bad Boys on the pod before. Absolutely love this franchise. So much fun. I've watched Bad Boys more times than, gosh, so it's the Martin Lawrence, um, Will Smith chemistry. It, it's, it's top tier. Mm. I absolutely love it. But my number one, I'm going to keep it in the year, 1986, Top Gun. We got we got Maverick, we got Goose, we got Iceman. I freaking love this movie. I'm super pumped for Top Gun Two. I think Top Gun One stands the test of time because it's got no sort of digital effects. I think we've got we've got real life um, scenes. It makes it age really well. It's a classic story. It's got so many great one liners. So Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys, Top Gun, three, two, one. The event. Great choices and and so much more in there that we could have gone with, but. It's it's so hard when you look at the things you've overlooked. I mean, I'm thinking, oh, how did I overlook Top Gun? But I think I love what you talked about it being it's stood the test of time because it hasn't got those effects because effects look great at the time that you watch them, the first time you watch them. I remember watching The Lawnmower Man and thinking these are the greatest special effects I've ever seen. You can't watch that movie now. You can't watch it. And even though I didn't bring this movie up, I all of a sudden feel this real overwhelming desire to watch Con Air. Yeah. I said, put the bunny back in the bar. It's so good. It's so good. So good. I, so good. So good. Such a, I don't know how, how it would translate today, but it's a good time. I really enjoyed Bad Company, the Anthony Hopkins uh, movie. Oh, yeah. With Chris Rock. I, I know we're just breaking all the rules here, just going into all of his movies. Can I ask a question? Because I'm still shocked at my own ignorance of this guy. And uh, he has not directed a single movie. He's only ever been the producer. So, because I was thinking while you were talking, who else has, who's a better producer than Jerry Bruckheimer? Who's got a better, but then I looked, Steven Spielberg is a producer and a lot of things, but he's famous as a director. So my question to you is, my homework for you, Dan, is who as a producer, who has only been a producer, can possibly rival Jerry Bruckheimer as a producer? I, I, I just, I'm just, I'm absolutely amazed by this guy's backlog. And of course he's got, you know, all the Pirates movies and Armageddon and it's just, it just goes on. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not sure. I, no one comes immediately to mind. I'm going to have to really, I'm going to have to dig into the into the Google machine and see if I can find anyone. Mm. It, I think Jerry Brookheimer for me is, for some reason, it's a name. When I see the name, 
I kind of feel like I know I'm in for a good time because there's so many of those classic action movies through the 80s, 90s, 2000s. So it's reputation, right? It's it's like what I talked about the the week before before with Ridley Scott. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is. If Ridley Scott's directed it, the chances are I want to watch it because I just trust. It's, it, you just know what you're getting. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Great yeah, choice. I agree. I agree. I guess you could say, oh, look, I'm going to do some research, but like just while you're talking, like it could be people like Kevin Feige, like even mm. like Steven Spielberg. He's a director as well, though. And I think you're right. Like it's trying to find the one who's just a pure producer. Mm. That is the that is the question, and of course, if anyone listening has any suggestions, do drop us a line. But other than that, I will thank once again Time Traveling Team Podcast for sponsoring this week's episode. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode, drop us a line at halfmeasurespodcast.com. Also, a special shout out to our Patreon producers of the show, Trisha Brady and Samara King. If you too would like to become a Patreon, you can find all of those details in the show notes below, or you can find us at patreon.com forward slash half measures podcast. It's been a great episode, Paul, a little bit shorter for us than usual by about 20 minutes. I'm sure people are going to appreciate a bit of time back Mm. in the day. Until next time, adios.